everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4, verses 38 through and including 41. Chapter 4 of 2 Kings, verses 38 through and including 41. When you have it, say amen. One person got it. There's like a spirit of silence in the church today. I don't know. Touch him, tell him, get loose. Tell him, get loose, man. Tell him, get loose. <laughs> We're like, should I preach in sign language today? I don't know. I'm gonna... <laughs> you always come to church with a praise, church. doesn't matter what's happening. doesn't matter. And I know people are nostalgic and sad what's going on. And, and obviously, you know, even I have people that are affected by what's going on in the world. But we should never allow those things to cease our praise. Never. Never, 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 never. So you might not have money, but you have to have a praise. You might, have, you might not have good health, but you always have to have a praise. Amen? Amen. 2 Kings chapter number 4, verses 38 through 41. Reads like this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Elisha returned to Gilgal. And there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said to his servant, put on a large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophet. So one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered it from and gathered from it a lapful of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. And then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. So he said, Bring some flour. And they put it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people that they may eat. But I just told you there's death in the pot. Why would you want me to eat from the pot that has death? Bring some flour. And he put it in the pot and said, serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. My subject today is death in the pot. Touch your neighbor and tell him. Death in the pot. I have to admit that sometimes in life, sometimes in life, there are things that look good on the outside and even sounds good to the human ear, but are not good at all. And this happens in every sphere of life. 
everybody here that's married or has a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you didn't marry that person or fall in love with that person because that person is, to your eyes, is the most hideous, ugly person in the world. Right? You married and fell in love with that person or became attracted to that person because something about your eyes told you this person is glamorous. This person is beautiful. And if you're honest with yourself, before you got married, right, you had other girlfriends or boyfriends, right? Before you have the girl you're with now, it's like, well, I'm highly favored. Love, look at the Lord. <laughs> before that, before that, you can attest to the fact that you've had other relationships. Can I get a good amen? amen. See, I married my wife 23 years ago. And by the way, she is the sugar in my coffee. She is the glaze in my donut. She is the syrup of my pancakes. She is the ketchup of my fries. She is the onion of my burger. Oh, God, have mercy. That's a lot of calories right there, right? <laughs> She's the vegetables of my vegan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But prior to her, I had other girls that looked pretty. That looked phenomenal. But they look cute and pretty on the outside. But after a while, you know, a couple of dates later, you know, take them out to eat two, three times, you, you, you start seeing some ugly stuff that you can't make up and put on and on. It's, it's, just, it's just attitude and, and, and dispositions and, and selfishness and pride and bouginess. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> And some people leave what they have for something that looks better only to realize that once you leave the good thing you have for something that looks good, after a while you're going to realize, I made the biggest mistake in my life. So if you are married up in here, talk about, I don't know if I want to be this woman. Let me tell you, because you're looking at hips, lips, and fingertips. Let me tell you, it's only a matter of time that what's on the inside is going to come out. The Bible says, he who has a good wife has a good thing. But I'm not preaching on marriage. That's in February. <laughs> Things look good on the outside, even sound good to the human ear, but are not good at all. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 16, verse 25. He says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. When I read the scripture... <clears throat> I was overwhelmed by the events that happened prior to the scripture. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 
through 37. Because this scripture stems out of a word that the prophet had given to the nation. He said that there was going to be famine in the land. That there was not going to be water that was going to fall from heaven. And so the condition of this famine is the end result of a word of a man of God. But when you read 2 Kings chapter 4, the first portion of the scripture speaks about Jesus, um, 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 Elisha, sorry, goes to the house of a widow who only had a little bit of oil in her pot and she was going to cook her last meal and die. Prophet shows up to her house and he tells her, Cook me a meal. She says, she says she was, I was going to say she's a pastor. And she, she said, Elijah, prophet, I only got but this. He told her, go borrow empty pots and bring it to your house and get in your house and lock up with your son. Consequently, the Bible says that as she started pouring out from the little bit, from the little canister she had of oil, miraculously, she was able to fill all of the pots with oil. And this was a miracle that happened because there was famine in the land. Shortly after that, the next episode is the episode of Elisha and the Shunammite woman who builds the prophet a house, builds him an apartment. The baby dies. He goes. He gets on top of the baby. The baby begins to come back to life, and he brings life. He brings life to a dead woman's son. The first portion of chapter 4 is an episode of God creating miracles by multiplying the oil. Second portion of the miracles is a woman's son is dead and the prophet brings a dead thing to life. Now he's coming back to his students, to those who have decided to be under his leadership. And this is what they confront. The sons of the prophet, who by the way, were taught by Elisha, they were in the, what we call the Bible school of the prophet. To learn how to operate under the power of God by means of prophetic utterance. Who better to learn how to operate faith and power than Elisha? Because Elisha was under Elijah and Elisha received two times the power that his prophet master had. So Elisha had double the power, double the anointing, double the glory, double the power. And the Bible says that he was demonstrating that by providing for the oil for the woman. He demonstrated that by resurrecting the dead son of the Shunammite woman. But now he comes home and there's a problem in the house. These guys, while the prophet was doing these miracles, these guys were doing the right thing. These guys were honoring God. And sometimes in our walk with God, we sometimes feel that if I do the right thing, if I walk with God, if I live for God, if I live God a life of integrity, my life should go from better to better, from better to better, from better to better. But when I look at the scripture, these guys are doing the right thing and all the wrong things are happening. They were doing what was right as if they were feasting on the manna of God in their spirits. But their bodies were becoming tired and hungry. Here, there were no doubt in the center of the will of God. However, they were going through times of testing. The Bible tells us in the first one that there was, verse 38, that there was famine in the land. Famine had come into the land. 
touching every area of famine. And the school of prophets was no exception to what was happening. Let me tell you this. That's why the Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Having Christ in your life does not mean that you will have a get out of hell card. It does not mean you're going to have get out of sickness card. It does not mean you're going to get a get out of problems in your house card. Having Christ in your life gives you the capacity to understand that even though I got to go through what I go through, God is with me. And if he's with me, he is greater than the world around me. The fact that we do the will of God does not release us from times of trial and testing. We see that famine in the land broke out through the entire community. And everybody got affected by it. The heathens and the Christians, the sinners and the godly men. Here we see men that were feeling famine and the pains of hunger in their stomachs just like you and I would. And you would say, but man, if these are God, men of God, and these are powerful men of God, and these are prophets, why don't God fill up their stomachs? Because you could be a man of God and go through hell. You could be a woman of God and go through heartache. You could be the best Christian living the best walk, and that does not mean you are exempt of affliction, church. I, listen, I don't, know, I don't know if you know what it is to be hungry. I'm not talking about you haven't had a snack. I haven't had a snack. I'm, I'm talking about hungry. And my staff that work with me Mondays through Friday, my staff that work at the church, they know I don't play with food. We have our Monday meetings, right? I meet with my staff every Monday. And the meeting starts off very spiritual every Monday. We start crying. But what God is doing, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you for the harvest, thank you for the growth, thank you for new birth. My God, what you're doing, we're not worthy, Lord, we, we don't deserve this, God. And we're always giving God glory, and it's always spiritual, and then we do reports, and what are we are, and you know, how are we doing, people came, how many people got saved, what's happening with you, and it's just celebratory, and everybody's talking, and we're planning, and it's exciting, and God is there, God is there, it's beautiful. But about some, some, somewhere between 11, 12, I'm sorry, 12, 15 p.m., I lose all spirituality. We could be talking about cherubims, archangels, and seraphims, but in the middle of that conversation, I'm going to ask the guys, hey, what are we going to go eat? Because when I get hungry, I get hungry. And I could be a Pentecostal preacher speaking in tongues, the Lord is good, but when my stomach starts going, there's something about when this talks, this don't listen to anything out there. You know what I'm saying? Because when you're hungry, you're hungry. So about 12.30, I get uneasy. Nothing sounds spiritual no more. I just want to eat. I get angry. Yo, guys, we got to go eat. We got to go in. Because hunger, hunger could play games on you. Let me tell you, hunger could play. So you, you could be serving God and you could be faithful to God. But when the hunger of loneliness comes in your life and when the hunger of being accepted comes in your life and when the hunger of, of being surrounded by, when, when that hits you, you might do foolish stuff. But I've come to tell you, don't give in. Be faithful. And in the middle of hunger, you could ask yourself, like these guys could have asked, why is this happening to me? Why am I going hungry? You just provided oil for the widow. You just gave life to a deaf son. Why I? That I left my house, I left my children, I left my ministry, I left it all to become a student of the prophet. You should take care of me. Why am I starving when everybody else has been provided for? 
They could have last out of Elijah. And asked him, yo, what's up with your God? We signed up because we saw all the things you were doing. We signed up because you split up the Jordan River. We signed up because we saw you provide oil for the woman. And now we join you and everybody gets blessed but us. Where is the God that fed Elijah the ravens by the brook? They could have asked him. They could have asked Elijah, where is the God that multiplied the widow's oil? They could have asked Elijah, where is the God that parted the waters so that you could walk on dry land? Where is the God who took Elijah in heaven in a chariot of fire? They could have said, all these things, church. They might have said, if God can do all those things, then surely we don't have to struggle here with our ne- where our next meal is coming from. Often, church, we look around us and we only see famine and destruction. But this is why, this is why we as a church, when famine strikes, when hunger strikes, when, when loss strikes, when infirmity strikes, this is why it's important that the church in the middle of all of these losses and all of these things, the power of the church in the midst of crisis is to stay together. One good thing these guys had is that they were all hungry, but they were all together. They were all starving, but they were all in one accord. It wasn't that they got hungry and said, well, I'm out of here. Peace. I'm going, I'm going to another church. No. They were hungry, but they stuck it through together. I'm here to encourage you. In your worst moments, that's not the time to leave the church. In your moments of crisis, that's not the time to back up and leave. We got to come together. And I might be hungry, and you might be hungry, but we end this together. And until God don't make a way, we will not move. For God will do what he promised he would do we gotta stick together that's why listen that's why we believe in hope groups if you're part of our church you gotta be part of a hope group because what you get here encourages you but the devil that's fighting you Monday through Friday you need to be part of a group that says listen listen pastor preaches on Sunday but let me tell you what's going on with me right now I'm about to punch my wife in the nose I'm about to hit my husband with a refrigerator and right we turn you that let's pray for you we're going to fight this together we're going to believe together you need to be part of a hope group so that somebody can tell you God is still with you in spite of the hell you're going through Look what the Bible says about being together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It says, let us not give up meeting together at some, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. I may be hungry. You might be hungry. And in the middle of our hunger, here's what I'm going to do. Hey, John, remember that steak we ate last week? And we start thinking about that steak. I might be starving. Oh, no, he don't eat steak. He's vegan. Uh, uh, John, remember, remember that, that chipotle salad you ate? We might be hungry. But I could encourage him and say, if God provided last week a vegan sandwich, he can provide it next week. And I don't know when, but I'm going to encourage you until these eyes see the provision of God. God knows that there is a tendency to forsake God's house and fellowship with his people. So he tells us today, don't let that happen. As you realize the day is approaching, get in church more and more and don't give up. The enemy of our souls knows that there is strength in numbers and power in unity. He knows that something happens in the spirit world when we all come together in the midst of your mess and your sickness and your poverty and your problem and your divorce and your crisis. But when we all come together, something happens on the spirit that makes a stronger church. They didn't know 
where the food was coming from. However, they remained together. They didn't know when God was going to make a way. However, they remained together. The sons of the prophet might not have known what to do next, but they knew this. Until God don't make a way, we ain't going to divide ourselves. Elijah told the men, check this out. Elijah told the men, in the middle of their unity, he told them, go get the pot. Now, if they went to get a pot, that means that somebody was a cook. And I could preach that for an hour. Because everybody wants to be preachers. Nobody wants to be cookers. He, 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 said, he, said, he said, go get the pot. Go get the pot. And listen, not only go get the pot, but I want you to put fire on the wood. And I want you to put the pot. Stay. I want you to put the pot on the wood. Not, not, oh, but there's no food. But there's nothing to cook. I, I didn't, I, I, I'm not asking you that. I'm, I'm telling you, put the pot on the fire. You're saying, God, but I don't know how you're going to make, make this happen. God, God, God didn't tell you to do that. God is telling you, put the empty pot on the fire. But you're trying to figure out, where is it coming from? Is it Walgreens? Is it coming from Publix? Is it coming from Benau? Is it coming from I don't know where? God is saying, I'm not, a, no, no, no. I just want you to put the pot, touch it every time. Put it on the fire. 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 See, see, what God uses to bless you is not your sacrifice. What God uses to bless you is your obedience. So they went, they got the pot, put it on the fire. Now what? He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look in your environment. I want you to look at your surrounding. And there might not be much around, but I want you to look out there and see what you can find to put on the pot. Elijah realized that there may not have been much around, but what little there was, they were going to begin to use it to do something about their situation. You might, listen, 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 listen. If Elijah was in my house and we were hungry, and he would tell me, go get the pot. Okay, I'll get the pot, put it on the, I'll put it on the stove. Look around. I open the cabinets. Here's what I'm going to see. Adobo, sofrito, oregano. Yeah, because you can't be Puerto Rican and have a double. <laughs> Garlic powder. And, and, and it don't look like much because, you know, if it's not a steak in there, if it's not a chicken in there, if it's not, if it's not a pork, it don't look much. But, but, but God can take little ingredients and make a message and make a miracle and do a blessing over you. He said, look what's around. Check this out. The Bible says that they all went to look. But one of the sons of the prophets began to gather herbs and wild gourds in the fields. And he came back with a lap full of them that appeared to be edible. Appeared good on the outside. Because, because in moments of hunger, people tend to make stupid decisions based on what looks good on the outside. And so, and so everybody was getting oregano and everybody was getting sofrito and everybody's getting adobo, but he wanted to get the big, big, luscious, luscious uh, uh, vegetable. So he put them all on his lap and appeared to be edible. But verse 39 says, so one went out into the field to gather herbs. He went to get herbs, but look what he got. 
and found a wild vine. Who told you to get a wild vine? You were supposed to go get herbs. Anyway. And gathered it from a lap full of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. Listen, some of us in moments of desperation, we're putting stuff in our pot. We're putting stuff in our life that we don't know what it is, but we're trying to find a way out. We're trying to find a way to get through that we start doing things in our lives and it don't make sense, but we just want to be out of the mess we're in that we receive people in our hearts. We receive things in our spirits. We receive stuff in our mind. You got to be careful that you don't put in your pot something that's going to destroy your marriage, your family, and your spiritual life. So not only do we see famine in the land, but one guy now brings death inside a pot. Here we see men who are willing to put anything in the pot as long as it looked right, as long as it looked edible on the outside. They sat to eat. Can you imagine? These guys were so hungry, they didn't even pray to eat because they all got sick. They sat to eat their meal. And as they began to eat, they began to taste awful gourds that had been placed in the pot. They realized at that moment while they were eating, this doesn't taste good. This is not, this is not what this is supposed to taste like. This is not it. And some of us were eating from the pot stuff that we know that we're not supposed to be eating. And in the back of your mind, you're saying, this is not supposed to be what a Christian does. This is not supposed to be how a Christian acts. But you're so hungry that you're eating when you're not supposed to be eating. You're going to places you're not supposed to be going. You're surrounding yourself with people you're not supposed to be surrounding. But you're so in desperate mode that you're doing the unthinkable, the ungodly, and you're failing God, causing death in your life they started eating what they weren't supposed to eat they realized that if they were to keep on eating that poisonous gourd in the pot will kill them all I don't understand church how people know doing something is going to destroy them yet they still do it that doesn't make sense to me I don't understand how people know that if you do an act it's going to affect your family affect your marriage affect your ministry yet they still do it there's a danger. There's a danger in being deceived by appearance. You have to be careful, church. One of the gifts that God gives us is the gift of discernment. And we got to start operating in the gift of discernment so that we can discern what is of God and what is not of God. And it might be that what is not of God may cause you to break and tear and demolish and devour a 20-year relationship, but you want to honor God or you want to honor Him. Things are not often what they seem to be on the outside. On the outside, that, 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 that cabbage that he picked looked beautiful. But when he put it on the pot on the inside, what looked good nice on the outside was causing death on the inside. What's causing spiritual poison in your spiritual life? What's causing you to be deceived? What's causing you to be, to be, to be, to be bewildered? Look what the Bible says in Colossians 2.8. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this this world, rather than on Christ. The problem is that we live in a day more than ever that we need what it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. It says, but solid food is for the mature. You and I got to grow to the level that we start eating mature food, church. And this happens 
when you start exposing yourself to the word of God, then we can distinguish what is genuine from what is counterfeit. And we might say, well, a lot of people are following it. A lot of people are doing that. So if they're doing it, it must be good. Some people say, this church is such a big church, and they must be preaching the truth because if they weren't true, the church wouldn't be big. But you know what? Just because a lot of people do certain things doesn't mean it's the right thing. I remember when I was a kid, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, you know, you know, you know, you know, and, and I don't know if this is a bad illustration, but it's my illustration. You know, uh, in my, in, when I was a kid, I couldn't do things that my other friends used to do. I just couldn't do it. One time I got whipped with a belt, and I'm still getting over that. God is still working with me. Because I got whipped for going to the pool. But, but, but that's, you know, I come from another, another upbringing. And I remember I would tell my mom, my mom, what's the problem? Why can't I do that? Why is that? That's not fair. Everybody else is doing it. And why can't I say that? Everybody else is saying that. And why can't I go there? Everybody else is going there. And everybody else is doing it. And they will firmly tell me this. We're not everybody, Papa. And they could do it, that's on them. But in this house, we're doing it this way. So even though the world does it and people do it, the Lord is telling you today, you are a holy nation of peculiar people chosen out of darkness into the light. And they might do it, but you better not let that stuff get in your pot. Not only can we be deceived by appearance, but also good intentions may lead to bad mistakes. There are people that have good intentions in life. The person who gathered the gourds thought it was, for him, that was a good intention. He thought, if I do this, man, it's going to be on point. But little did he know know that his good intention was a poisonous one. Just because someone is sincere doesn't mean they're right. One poisonous gourd spoiled the entire pot. Now the gourd itself, the pot itself was not the, was not the only thing that was poisonous. Everybody was poisoned because of one guy's good intention. This man was sincere in what he did, but sincerely wrong in doing what he did. To the point that he almost produced annihilation to the men of God and to his brothers. They didn't know what it was they were putting in their mouth. But simply because the man was sincere in what he was doing, everybody said, oh, no, he's, he's a Christian. Yeah, if he's doing it, it's okay. If he's doing it, it got to be good. Only to realize that they almost lost their lives. They couldn't eat anymore. As a matter of fact, the Bible says they all ate from the, from, from, from the pot. They all ate from the meal. And they all got sick. Historians said, I was reading a commentary, that they all ate and immediately they caught Diarrhea. And they started vomiting. Instant. Men of God. Sick in their stomach. Sick in their stomach. Sick in their stomach. By a good intention, everybody got sick in their stomach. Everybody, by a good intention, everybody was messed up. By a good intention. And there was no penicillin and there was no, there was no, no milk of magnesia. By a good intention, the entire church got screwed up. And they're oh, And what what boggles me is that while they're all throwing up, the prophet says, bring some flour and put it in the pot. Bring some flour and put it in a pot. And then I thought, 
why didn't they cook with the flour in the beginning? See, see, see these guys aren't Dominicans, because if they would have been Dominicans, they'd have made don't bling. Because <laughs> all you need is water and flour to do don't bling. I don't know about that. <laughs> you give a Dominican some flour and some water, bro, we're we going to make you a cake. <laughs> The food was contaminated. The prophet says, I got, I got a remedy for the pot. Now listen to this. See, see, see. The prophet didn't say, take the pot, throw it away, and do it again. No. Because there was some stuff in the pot that was good. Because just because one person screwed it up. There was a bunch of other people that were doing the right thing. And God would always honor those who honors him. So he says, he says, he, 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 here's what I'm going to do. He says, go get some flour. Go get some flour. And, 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 and take the flour and put it on the pot. Now, I don't know who's cooking now because everybody, everybody's sick in their stomach. So here's one. Put on poisonous food. It would have been easy to do another pot of oil, a pot of food. Let me tell you, when you honor God with your life and you give God an opportunity to work in your life, God will never discard all the stuff you've done because of people that have been around you. So for the poison someone caused in your life, God has an antidote. For the poison someone caused in your heart and in your mind, God has flour. For, for every poison that they put in your mind, God is saying, I'm not going to throw you away because you've been broken. I'm not going to throw you away because you've been hurt. I'm not going to throw you away because they don't like you. I'm not going to throw you You're still valuable. But the ingredient I'm going to give you now is going to be better than every ingredient that everybody has deposited in your life. You let people put fear in you, despair in you, anger in you, hatred in you. But the flower is the spirit of God. And God says that when I put this in you, I'm going to allow you to forgive those that hurt you. I'm going to allow you to love those that did you wrong. I'm going to allow for you to live different with the same ingredients. And then he says, he says, take the flour, put it in the pot, and just mix it together. Mix it together. And somewhere between the mixing, the flour destroyed the power of the poison. I, it, that, that doesn't even make sense. How flour became an antidote for poison. It doesn't make sense. But there are things in this thing called Christianity that don't make sense. But we, he lived these things by the faith in God and by the power of the Spirit. This is the same guy who told the lady who had this much oil, go borrow more, more vessels. It doesn't make sense. Why would I borrow vessels if I have none? It doesn't make sense. But your God is not a God who operates. I told you last week, he doesn't operate by our senses. He operates by spirit. So he went and he put a flower on what was poisonous. 
I did this crazy. This is crazy now. Because he tells the people who were poisoned by what they ate, put the last verse up. He says, so he said, bring some flour, and they put the flour in the pot, and then he said, serve it again. Eat it again. Listen, if I go to a restaurant and I eat something that's nasty, I'm never going back there again. <laughs> I've gone to restaurants where the food was disgusting, and I, uh, listen, listen, don't go there. Don't. He says, serve it to the people again. Now, now, imagine these guys with stomach aches going to the toilet, having to go back to eat the thing that got them sick. But the difference was that this time there was an ingredient that they had overlooked that they had all along. The flour was always there, but they were looking for what looked good on the outside. The flour was always there, but they were looking at what was green. See, see, the difference between, the difference, you, you know, you, know, you, you, you go pluck a, a carrot, right? Pluck a carrot, you, 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 cabbage. All you got to do is what? Take it and put it on water, right? Collard greens, you take it, you put it on water. See, you can't eat this. To eat this, you got to work it. See, 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 cabbage, you got, you know, you get collard greens, you get broccoli. All you got to do is dump it in the water, boil it, right? Done deal. To eat bread, you got to work it. Some people want what God has for them, but they're not willing to work it. They want to work it. So God says, okay, you don't want to work it? I'll let you put all the junk in your pot. That looks nice, right? Like the heavens is here. <laughs> hey, if we can't do hazes, we got hazes now. <laughs> the Bible says, and nothing harmful was in the pot. This time they ate what was poisonous, but this new ingredient. Allow them to eat. The Bible don't say, and they took out the, the vegetable that was poisonous. No, it was still in the pot. But this time, something about the flour changed the poison state of that ingredient. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. So I'm not here to tell you, come serve Jesus, and you won't have heartache, and you won't have pain. I'm telling you, when pain comes, we have to be united. Yeah. Number two, when famine comes, we have to have discernment. We can't act sporadically. We need discernment. And what is discernment? The capacity to see what you can't see in the common eye. That's why there are people that they make their worst decisions in moments of famine. They'll make their worst decision in moments of desperation. So we need to be united. We need to have discernment. And we need to obey that even in the midst of our poisonous experience, God can take his spirit and he can do something better that the devil used to make us better. 
We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.